On Cal Corner today, his form has been rock solid for South Australia, but Michael Klinger is contemplating life further west with Justin Langer's Warriors. He'll join us from his base in Gloucester, where he's playing in the county championship. More remarkable goings-on in the IPL, a 200-plays, 200-game during the week. We'll assess the tournament as it approaches playoff time. And this could be your time. Xavier Doherty will join us to promote the benefits of volunteering at next year's World Cup and give us a bit of an idea of what a professional player does when he's on holiday. Cow Corner today with myself, Peter Newlands. Looking forward to the show. First up, we'll head to India for the latest news on the IPL. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstand's Cricket Show. In the IPL, Kings Eleven Punjab, led by George Bailey, sit top of the ladder with eight wins from ten matches so far. The big-name Aussies are getting plenty of game time with perhaps Glenn Maxwell, the standout performer. First up on today's edition of Cow Corner, let's cross to Mumbai and join Gav Joshi, who's been covering the tournament. Gav, thanks for your time once again on... The program, what are we now, more than a halfway through the, the, the home and away um, rounds of the competition? Yeah, about two-thirds of the way through, and it looks like two teams are certainly guaranteed. And I think we've got Mumbai and Kolkata who are gonna, uh, and Delhi, I beg your pardon, are going to miss out. So still a bit of tussle for the final two spots. Royals are probably on the brink of finishing in on the top four as well. So really, I think if we've got four teams battling out for that last spot, um, it's still 20 games to go and a lot can happen. Now, just on the, the Delhi Daredevils before we get on to the Australians, uh, Kevin Peterson, how would you assess his impact on the tournament so far? Well, he hasn't had the greatest of tournaments. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him and playing IPL and he wanted to play that before, I mean, representing England. But he hasn't had the flashiest of tournament. I think he's really struggled. I'm not sure if it's the burden of captaincy. Um, he's only had one really good IPL prior to this. So uh, I'm not sure Kevin Peterson's, I mean... Perhaps his role should be different. Perhaps he should be opening the batting or his team just hasn't performed. But to me, I just think Kevin Peterson struggled. I think he just hasn't been himself and what everyone expected um, Kevin Peterson to do in this IPL. Well, the Daredevils are down the bottom with just two wins from 10 matches, so they're way off the pace when it comes to the, the playoffs. What about George Bailey? What a remarkable uh, phase of his life this, uh, this player is in. He's been playing big cricket almost non-stop for about a year. Uh, he's played 10 games so far with the, the Kings Eleven Punjab. Hasn't made a huge impact, impact in terms of runs scored, but his team is um, top of the table. How would you assess the way uh, Bailey's team is tracking at this point of the tournament? Oh, there's a team to beat, no doubt about it. I mean, in 10 games, they've scored over 200 runs on four occasions, and that's phenomenal in T20 cricket. I know we're playing in India where the pitches are quite flat, but that's remarkable. Of course, they're led by Glenn Maxwell, and the confidence that George Bailey's been able to inflict in this team and to play that attacking, fearless cricket that Australia's probably renowned for, um, and that's been led by, as I said, Maxwell, probably at the start of the tournament when he hit those three consecutive 90s. That's where it all started, and it seemed to rub off on the other young Indian players and I think George Bailey's had a lot to do with that um, and you know you, you said that George Bailey hasn't scored a lot of runs but his role at the um, Punjab is to finish off an innings and it's interesting out of the uh, 
two chases over 200. He's been there at the end. I mean, his strike rate is about 150-odd. He's had five knockouts in the eight innings, which reflects why he's such a good finisher. And he's having a remarkable tournament. Just talking to some of the, even the Indian uh, young bowlers, and they give so much credit to George Bailey. They said, as a captain, we love him. He's always smiling, and he's always encouraging us. Even if we hit, get hit for a couple of boundaries, and so he's always backing us to do with our ability and he's just a fantastic leader and and no doubt his leadership is one of the key aspects along with Maxwell why the Kings are right at the top of the ladder. Yeah looking at the Australian bowling in the tournament the thing that jumps out at me is that Shane Watson's having a a good all-round tournament and in fact of the Australians his uh, economy rate is the is the best. He is yeah well and and as a leader he's been able to bowl at the end even for Rajasthan Royals when the when the opposition have needed probably seven or eight runs and over, and he's been able to play a big role in a couple of Rajasthan's wins by playing by bowling at the death. So he's been an important role. He knows how to bowl to different pitches as well. He's got that wide full Yorker, which is so difficult to hit, and of course the change of pace. And him and Faulkner, their ability to bowl at the death is one of the reasons why Rajasthan are number three. Hilfenhaus is another bowler that MS Dhoni trusts at the end. So we've got a lot of Australian bowlers. Uh, Mitchell Stark, he's another one who's got exceptional Yorker. He's got things spot on. And as I said, he's playing in Bangalore, which is an absolute batting paradise. So some of the Australian bowlers, their ability to bowl at the death is certainly standing out in this tournament. Now, David Warner, he's creeping up the charts. 341 runs in uh, 10 games. He's he's getting up there. Do you think Warner's really going to take off in this final phase of the of the regular season in the IPL? Well, he's been given an uncustomary role batting at number four. As we know, David Bourne has always been a sort of an opener, but he's been batting at number four, and he's been, you can say, he's been excelling in that position, having scored 340 runs. He probably hasn't had that many balls to face. He normally comes in at about the seventh or the eighth over rather than from the start. So you probably think if he had the whole 20 overs to bat, he could challenge someone like Glenn Maxwell and score a lot of runs. But no doubt he's the key. And Sunrisers, who are one of those teams who could just creep into those top four, I think they need probably to promote him to number three and get the most out of him because he is in such good form. On Cow Corner, on ABC Grandstand Digital and across the Pacific on Radio Australia, you're with Peter Newlands and I'm talking with Gav Joshi about the IPL tournament. Now, Gav, Glenn Maxwell, the big show that he's known as, uh, 517 runs in 10 matches. This guy's a pretty remarkable cricket player. He was doing some extraordinary things in the Sheffield Shield uh, through the middle to the latter part of last season, and here he is really turning, on, turning it on in the, in the IPL. Do you think uh, Maxwell's stakes have risen even further so far through this tournament? They certainly have. I think there was a little bit of doubt over um, once the tournament was held this year with the retirement of Sachin Tendulkar, who's going to be the next star of IPL. The Indian players, the batsmen, haven't scored a lot of runs, but the Indian people, they've only got one hero at this tournament, and that's Glenn Maxwell. And he's just been phenomenal batting. And his stroke play, I mean, yes, you get the unconventional with him. You get the reverse sweeps and the paddle sweeps and so forth. But, you know, he does play some genuine cricket strokes. And, you know, his ability to hit the ball long straight over the bowler's head has been a standout. And even with the conventional strokes, some of the field that they're occupying to Glenn Maxwell, I mean, 
the reverse sweep is the best way of scoring, and that's why he's been able to execute it. And you, know, you speak to different players around in Punjab, and they said he's so good at playing the shots even in the nets. He's just a talent to see. And it's almost like when a wicket falls and how it is in India when they used to urge when Tendulkar used to come out to bat. That's exactly what's happening in the IPO. People are just waiting for Glenn Maxwell to come out to bat and hit those sixes. He's just remarkable. You've seen some absolutely uh, merchandise that have been on for sale. Everywhere you see, you see a lot of Glenn Maxwell shirts. So he's just the man. Um, and no doubt this has been Glenn Maxwell's tournament. It's fascinating, uh, Gav, to talk about the tournament. Uh, Steve Smith doing a good job at uh, Rajasthan. And before we go, Kane Richardson flying not, not so much as high, uh, flying as high as Glenn Maxwell, but doing a really solid job uh, uh, in uh, the opportunities he's had so far in the IPL. Has. I mean, Kane Richardson is one name that nobody's really mentioned, but he's played seven out of ten games. He's been rested for the last two games because they've been playing on slow pitches and Rajasthan have adopted a strategy of playing a couple of extra spinners. But no doubt he's been a core part of that group. I think Shane Watson likes the way he bowls. He gets a little bit of swing at the end, and he's really a good death bowler at the end. So he's gone under radar. Steve Smith, as we spoke about, just like George Bailey, probably doesn't have the numbers, but he's been seen as a finisher. And what a partnership he had with Faulkner uh, about about a week ago where they needed 65 or four overs and they managed to do that just in 17 balls. So that was remarkable. He also played a huge part in a super over where he needed to hit two runs of Sunil Narayan, who's almost impossible to play at times. And he was just able to calmly use his feet and place the ball into a gap and get two runs. And that just shows what uh, a transformation there's been in Steve Smith's game. And he's also the one um, who I think will probably take you know, Rajasthan a long way in this tournament. Gav, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for your time. And we'll, we'll no doubt we'll touch base uh, as we get closer to those, uh, those playoff matches. It's fascinating stuff. My pleasure, Pete. Always great to have a chat in Cow Corner. Gav Joshi from Mumbai. This is Cow Corner. Michael Klinger's name has been bumping up near the top of the national batting averages since it moved to South Australia from his native Victoria in 2008-2009. It proved to be an ideal combination. At the very least, he kept those vying for spots at the top of the Australian batting order very honest. Now approaching 34, Michael Klinger is moving west again. This time to link up with Justin Langer at the Western Warriors and that promising young team. He joins me now from his base in another Western team, Gloucestershire, in uh, in the city of Bristol, in the West Country of England. Uh, Michael, thanks for your time on Cow Corner. No problem. Thanks for having me. First of all, the move uh, further west in Australia from uh, Adelaide to Perth, was that what you were looking for at this point of your career? Um, uh, I suppose... Four or five months ago, it wasn't in the, the front of my mind, but um, I suppose circumstances has um, allowed me to, to, I suppose, a new move and a, a new challenge in the in the back end of my career. So, yeah, certainly looking looking forward to coming over to Western Australia and um, and working with with Adam Voges and, and Justin and, and and the rest of such a young talented group. Just on South Australia, you're you're so close to pulling off, a, at the very least, a place in a Shield final in the last couple of seasons. Was there a sense of, is there a sense of maybe some kind of frustration at unfinished business there with a really good team evolving now? Yeah, I mean, the Redbacks have had a, a strong couple of years in, in the Shield and, and especially, I suppose, the first half of both seasons. But unfortunately, um, they've just faded away a little bit at the back end of the year in, in post-season, which has been frustrating, I suppose, um, for the whole playing group there because we... Um, they thought they were 
it's been a decision to play in a final and missed out both times. So, um, listen, they, they got a very good good group of players, um, also some, some quality young players coming through. So uh, I'm sure they'll be up there again next season. And with WA, I mean, they got a step further than South Australia last season. They played in the, the Shield final. Do you feel like you're linking up with that group of players at a good time? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think if, if you look at their their list and, and their young talent coming through, it's probably the best going around in in the country. So if they, if, the, if the young guys keep, I suppose, taking steps forward and a few of our experienced guys can, can perform well, then there's no doubt that um, I think we can we can make the final again this year, and um, certainly um, with, with these young guys coming through, and, and hopefully, obviously, Marcus North will be a, a big loss for Western Australia. Such a fantastic Shield season last year, so I'm hoping um, I'm, I'll be able to sort of um, fill in that role and, and try and score some big runs and help some of the young kids during the season. Will there be any sort of period of readjustment required? From your, your point of view, uh, in WA, yeah, I mean, you seem to be very settled, and you're very so consistent uh, in South Australia. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think um, probably probably the most important thing is just to, I suppose, get to know my teammates well. Mm. It's it's, it's going to be, I suppose, playing being over here playing county cricket. It'll only be a short time that I'll that I'll be back before we we start the season. So um, I've got a young family as well, a wife and two young kids. So in terms of Settling in as a family, obviously that will will take a, a, a little bit of time um, with the kids going into new kinders and, and schools and stuff. But from a from a playing point of view, um, obviously I've played against a lot of the guys in WA over the years and, and know them reasonably well. So um, hopefully, yeah, we'll get get to know my new teammates quickly and, and have a successful season. Do you think you've got the same sort of productivity in you um, with this phase of your career in, in WA when you do get there uh, that you did with South Australia? Because you really were a, a very solid presence for them at the top of the order. Um, I mean, my, my role, if, if, if I'm about the top of the order, is to is to get to the new ball as often as possible, and to and when I get get a start, is, is to make big runs. And um, and certainly, as you mentioned, I've done it over a time with, with South Australia, and and no doubt my plan certainly hasn't changed. Moving over to Western Australia, it's to it's to score big runs and, and do whatever I can to help um, help the team win games. Now you're playing with uh, Gloucester. As I mentioned, in the yep. county championship in Division 2, the sides had a bit of a slow start to the season. You were run down by Graham Smith at the Oval um, during the week. How would you assess the way uh, things have gone for you so far in this uh, stint in the county championship? Yeah, it's been it's been a tough start to the season, to be honest. We've had uh, a lot of rain over here, um, and our games have been very rain-affected. I think um, we lost sort of a day and a bit in this game, but which sort of juiced the wicket up a bit, and... Um, a lot of our games have been sort of two days out of the four days, so um, that's been a little bit frustrating. And obviously, as, as a batsman, in it's, it's been quite difficult, especially against the new ball, difficult batting conditions. So personally, I probably haven't started the season um, that well. I had a decent game, first game, and a, a few low scores since. So um, hopefully, I can I can push up again and try and I suppose back up. Is that the lot of a, of a top-order player if the weather isn't all that great and we're still only in mid-May? You, you need to sort of wait for the sun to come out and the wickets to sort of bed down a little bit before you can start making the big runs? Yeah, I think I think over in, in England, if, if you can get runs early in, in the year, it's certainly a huge bonus, especially batting up the top against the new ball because it can, um, conditions can be, be tough if, if the weather is as it was last year and this year. So last year, personally, I had a slowish start 
as well and then sort of um, started to come good in, in May onwards. So I'm hoping that'll be the same thing this year. But uh, certainly um, doesn't matter what the conditions are, you've just got to try and um, do your job for the team. And, and so far, I suppose I did it in, in one or two games, but need to um, hopefully keep stepping up and, and improving it from here on onwards. And you still have uh, your eyes on possible higher representation um, in terms of Australian honours? Yeah, I certainly do. It's um, as you hear other people saying, it's no different with me. Is I think when when that probably stops is probably the time, and I'll probably finish finish up playing cricket because um, that's what motivates me as as long with with winning titles for for Western Australia going forward. So um, it's certainly still my motto. I'm also realistic about it though. With with I suppose turning 34 in in July, that um, there's young kids. Performing as well as, or not only me, but anyone who's probably thirty plus, and generally will go for the for the young guy. So that's that's just the way it goes, and you've almost got to do go over and, and beyond what some of the young guys are doing to have any chance of playing. So um, it's certainly uh, something that's on. It's it's still something I'd, I'd like to do and want to achieve, but um, I'm also realistic about it. And finally, Michael, have you come across any fellow Aussies? On the circuit so far, and if so, how have the how the the duels gone? Um, well, actually, this uh, Sunday we play against uh, four day game against Kent, who have Doug Bollinger charging and opening bowling for them. So that'll certainly be be a challenge. But um, yeah, I think he's the only one so far. But um, yeah, I'm sure over the whole the whole season there'll be a few more. Plenty of time to come. Uh, thanks for your time, Michael, and all the best with uh, Gloucester. In, in the three competitions you're playing in. You see, you've, got a, you've got a lot on your plate, a busy man. Uh, good luck with it all. Thanks very much. Cheers. That's Michael Klinger, who'll be running around in the black cap of Western Australia in the 14-15 season. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstands Cricket Show. Cow Corner with Peter Newlands today. It's one of cricket's great set-piece events with a history that goes back to the days of white clothes, red balls and 60-over games. It's the World Cup. With less than a year to go, the build-up to the 2015 World Cup has begun. At so many levels, cricket relies on people who give their time for nothing. It's volunteers, and the World Cup is no exception. Today, in Hobart, someone who's definitely hoping to be part of the event as a player took the time out to promote the cause of volunteering at the World Cup. I'm speaking of Xavier Doherty, who earlier today spoke to 936 ABC Hobart field reporter Joel Reinberger about the special qualities of Cricket's World Cup. It's uh, something pretty special. It was here in, here in Australia uh, in 1992. So with it being in 2015, it's 23 years between drinks. And, yeah, it's, pr- it's a pretty big tournament and... Uh, yeah, the ICC are chasing some volunteers to, to help be a part of it and, and make the tournament run smoothly. And um, for those people who put their hand up, they're, they're in for some sort, of, some sort of experience. I know you've played plenty of uh, cricket for Australia in, in, in the one-day team. Have you played in a World Cup before? I haven't. I was injured uh, last time around and, and missed, missed a chance there. So I've played in um, a Champions Trophy in England uh, earlier last year, which was, which was pretty awesome to have all the, you know, all the big-name players all sort of swanning around the one hotel and then you know, see them at training and around the ground. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. But to have uh, yeah, all the major nations here for a 50-over World Cup... Um, some of my great memories growing up were, were from the from the 50 over World Cup, so it'd, it'd be it'd be nice to be a part of it. Well, you know, watching Warney weave some of his magic in England and knocking over the South Africans, and you know, punter smacking the the Indians in in South Africa in that final. Yeah, so 
yeah, it'd be pretty special to be a part of. And if Australia managed to do well, um, yeah, it'd be something, something pretty good. What's the atmosphere like at, at, a, at a competition like that where you have not just two countries together, which is usual in cricket, but mm. so many? Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a lot of uh, subcontinent visitors come our way. And for those people who have been, you know, been to India or, you know, um, Sri Lanka or, or Bangladesh, they are cricket, absolutely cricket mad. So uh, to have those, you know, all those one countries here in Australia and all those, all the fans that will come with them, it's going to be amazing. So, um, you know, like you see with the Soccer World Cup and the Olympics, that you know, it just takes over for that, you know, two-week period or four-week period, or in this case, I think it's an eight-week eight-week block. What sort of roles do they need people for? They're looking for particular drivers. You know, they're going to be a lot of, a lot of visitors and um, you know, VIPs and officials and that sort of thing. They're looking for some um, accreditation people to, to sort of hand out the accreditation and just, I think, basically just make people feel welcome. I do remember being at the uh, Sydney Olympics. And everywhere you turned, there was someone in a Sydney Olympics mm. jacket giving you a smile and waving you in yeah. the right direction. And having that is really lovely, isn't it? It is. Well, they certainly make it. They make it the event. You know, it's, it's the athletes and everyone else who, who puts the effort in. But, you know, without the volunteers, this, this thing doesn't go anywhere. So they certainly need, uh, they need their volunteers and, you know, they, to, to make it run smoothly. And, um, yeah, and, and if, they, if you do put your hand up, then, you know, you've got the chance to be part of something special. And down the track, you know, say you were part of it. How are you going at the moment? You're, you're not overseas playing in an overseas comp. What are you actually doing with yourself right now? Right now, I'm doing not much at all. Uh, the Tigers uh, start their pre-season in a couple of weeks. I've started, you know, going to the gym and just being semi-active as a, as a, as a <laughs> professional sportsman should be. But, um, you know, I've spent the last three or four weeks uh, post-shield season just, just taking a break, you know, not just physically but mentally just getting away from the game. I think it's been about two or three years where I've actually had a block of four or, four or six weeks where I'm not preparing for anything or, or you know, or playing or training or doing anything like that. So it's just been good not to, not to do anything as far as cricket goes. And, you know, I've done a bit of fishing and spent, spent some time with the family and, um, yeah, like, it just, just enjoyed some holidays, which is, you know, might sound a bit rich for a cricketer to say he's having some holidays, but, yeah, I've just been having some holidays. It's been good. So are you going to be up to snuff to be in that team for the World Cup here? That's the plan. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to be doing everything I can. You know, it's a pretty special, pretty special event and to play in it and to say I was a part of it. Yeah, it's something I'm really, really looking forward to. And, you know, I managed, you know, I played in the last, the last, one day, uh, uh, last one day match for Australia and did pretty well. So hopefully my name's up there or thereabouts for uh, when they pick the next team. Now, when, when do they pick that team and what are you going to have to do in the meantime to make sure your name's on that leaderboard? Yeah, I think, uh, well, the tournament's in the start of February, so I'd imagine somewhere in January the team will be picked. But there's a, you know, there's a bit of cricket leading up to that. So uh, I've got some games with uh, the Tigers, with the Hurricanes, and then there's some, um, some Australian cricket against South Africa, I think, might be the first cab off the rank. Um, so I've got a bit of cricket to, to get under my belt and to, to put up some good performances. So... Uh, at the moment, you know, just like I said, I'm back into training and doing some little bits and pieces uh, just to just to get my game in order. You're mainly, you know, prepping and playing 50 over cricket. Are you are you thinking of stretching out to do more of the tests, or are you thinking of going the other way to do more of the thrashing about with the 2020? The honest answer is I'm not proud of what I've done in Test cricket. You know, I think my, my performances haven't been quite what I was, what I was after, and um, but I think I've come a long way in, in some of my Shield cricket over pro- particularly the last four or five years. So I certainly think I'm getting better as a Shield player, but uh, right now I think my focus is, is mainly on that one-day format. And, oh, look, oh, I, enjoy, I enjoy playing the 50-over cricket, and I'd like to be 
better or have had better performances in, in the longer form of the game. But uh, so far that hasn't been the case. But, you know, I'm not going to stop trying. I, I do remember when I was growing up that, that test cricket in the end was the official form of the game, was the be-all and end-all. Yes. Do you think it's like that for, the, for the, the, the young people playing now? It hasn't changed. Well, from, certainly from my point of view and the, and the guys in our change rooms, that, that is exactly how people see it now. Everyone is aiming to get that baggy green. Um, and play test cricket and um, maybe 2020 cricket and one day cricket are fighting it out for second spot uh, in my from my point of view I think the the one day game is more enjoyable to play maybe that's just a bowler talking but um, <laughs> but you know and, and then there's that well the entertainment uh, factor of, of 2020 cricket you know the big crowds and the big dollars in some cases of, of 2020 cricket so uh, but there's no doubt that I can't speak for the next generation and those kids coming into the game now, but uh, certainly playing Test cricket is, is what it's about. That's Australian player Xavier Doherty speaking with Joel Reinberger from the ABC in Hobart. To finish up the show today, as always, stat of the week. This one comes of a great ABC contributor over the years, Rick Finlay. Of the 155 current players with 1,000-plus runs in the county championship, that's career runs, Monty Panasar who's just joined their ranks, is the only one with an average below 10, 9.96. What to be said for sticking at your game. That's all for Cow Corner today. The program will be back at the same time next week. Enjoy the next seven days in cricket.